I want you to, to be encouraged that uh, there's no reason for a Christian, if they do fall, to stay down. The scripture says in Micah 7, 8, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I, I shall arise. Say it, I shall arise. And Proverbs 24, 16 tells us, For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. But the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. Well, guess what's going to happen in this situation across the state of Kentucky? Calamity struck, but the righteous are going to stand again. The wicked won't know what hit them or what to do. Now, there's the witness opportunity right there. You want to recover from this? You need to turn your life over to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we talk about a grace to recover when you fall, but I want to remind you there is grace to keep you from falling. The Word teaches a priority of not just giving in to whatever and just going by the wayside like everybody else, but knowing that, yes, there's grace for forgiveness, there's grace when you mess up, um, there's grace when you fall, but there's also grace that calls you to stand. Let me put it to you this way. There's grace to cause you to not sin. We talk about the grace to deal with sin or cover sin or provide a, you know, a redemption from sin, but there's also the power that goes with that to not sin. Well, you know, when we're talking about not wanting uh, our goods and our, our, you know, the things we own and possess to rust, we talk about rust-proofing them. Everybody say rust-proofing them. If we don't want water to ruin something that we own, what do we do? We waterproof. And if we don't want to fall, what do we do? We fall-proof you. That's right. We're here tonight to fall-proof you. Bless God. What we're going to do is basically make you impervious to a spiritual fall. This is about fall prevention. Now, how many understand if we don't teach the word about something, you can't have it? So if we go around just poor mouthing and saying, well, that's just the way it is. We're all human. You know, we all make mistakes. We're all going to sin. We're all going to fall. We're all going to just blah, blah, and on it goes. Guess what our faith is going to be? We're going to have faith for sin, faith for fall. But if we teach ourselves through the word of God that we don't have to. See, understand this. Before you met Christ, Every force was compelling you into sin and compromise. After Christ, the force of righteousness takes over, and it's actually pushing you to do what? To do right. So now for you and I to fall, for you and I to sin, it's like going against the current in a river. We have to paddle upstream against the force of righteousness and that grace. So just be reminded, if it's in the Bible, you can have it. Can I say this again? If it's in the Bible, you can have it. If forgiveness is in the Bible, can you have it? Yes. If healing is in the Bible, can you have it? If provisions in the Bible, can you have it? Is righteousness in the Bible, can you have it? Yes. And if God's grace to sustain you and prevent you from falling and to keep you, amen, until that day, if that's in the Bible, can you have it? Yes. But you won't possess it unless faith is there for it. And faith can't be there unless the Word is taught about that thing. All you have to do is, if you're the devil or a carnal Christian or a carnal Christian leader, to snuff something out of the church itself, capital C. All you have to do is be silent about it. If the evangelical churches suddenly stopped preaching the born-again experience, you would snuff out the new birth in a generation. That's all you have to do is stop preaching something or not preach about that. So the silence, in a way, is responsible for a lower level of living for the people of God. We can't be silent. We have to preach the truth, preach it in love, but we have to preach the truth. Are you here? 1 Timothy 4, uh, verse 1 and 2. This is a scripture you should highlight, you should underline, you should write out, memorize. This is where we are. 
the apostles saw it and spoke to his uh, son Timothy about it a, thousand, a couple thousand years ago. But I tell you what, never in my Christian life have I seen this being played out the way it is right now. The Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith, there's the fall, and follow deceiving or seducing spirits and things taught by demons, doctrines of demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. Now, I pointed this out to you, that no preacher anywhere that's, that's preaching heresy invites a demon to come up and speak. They don't advertise, next week, demon so-and-so is coming. Does that make sense? Uh, so where are these demonic teachings coming from? Human beings. They're coming from platforms and classrooms and pulpits. They're not coming, you know, from the church of Satan. No one, no Christians gathering at, at the church of Satan to hear these things. Where are they gathering? This is why this is such an eye-opening scripture. And notice that Paul says the Spirit is warning in later times what's going to happen. People are going to what? Depart or abandon. Walk away from. Someone tells you that a Christian who's genuinely born again can't abandon the faith, they're lying. Or they're ignorant of the truth. Because you can walk away. You can abandon it. And not only does Paul say it, Paul is telling, is telling us the Spirit told us that a person can abandon the faith. And the carnal Christian will say, well, they must not have had faith in the first place. Well, then Paul must be wrong. The Spirit must really be confused. That's not what it says. It doesn't say they thought they were saved, but they really weren't saved. They thought they were right standing, but they really weren't. No, the Spirit says that what? Some shall abandon. That takes willful action. It takes a decision. So what we want to do is make sure we're not in a position spiritually to get to this place. Are you here tonight? So the consequences of falling are listed in, in Jude chapter 1, uh, verse 1 through 16. I don't want to rehash that. You can go pick up the message from last week and, and, and review that. Just to understand, there are a lot of consequences to falling. Um, one of the reasons we want to talk about standing and not just falling and getting up, falling and getting up, and falling and getting up, because every time you fall, guess what? There's damage potential there. Falling can cause damage, and not just to you, but people that are watching you. Well, I got back up, praise the Lord, hallelujah, me and the Lord, we're doing just fine. But what about the people that observed you fall? See, this isn't just about me and you standing. It's a domino effect. Well, it's not my responsibility. They shouldn't have their eyes on me. What they should or shouldn't do is not the point. They do have their eyes on people. That's just the way people are until they grow up and they're able to say, like, Paul, follow me as I what? Follow Christ. So if I'm not following Christ, guess what? That's the voice of a, of a mature believer. So a lot of people will watch somebody just go by the wayside and they'll say, well, what's the point? If they can't make it, how can I? Let me tell you something. Don't ever base your spiritual success on the success or failure of another Christian. You work out your own salvation with fear and trust. It's about what you do with the Lord, not what somebody else does. At the same time, you know, as a pastor, what I want you to be is victorious. I want you to make it to the end. I want all of you in glory. Amen. I want us all to say, you know, it wasn't that wonderful. Amen. Praise the Lord. Look what God has for us now. Praise the Lord. Running into you and glory to God. And Barb's still up there praying and rejoicing. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's a good thing there are no demons in hell because Wimble's prayer would drive them back out again. There's no way they're going there. 
What a wonderful time, but not if we don't make it. Amen. So we're planning on making it until when? He that endures to the end. G- Who said Jesus? Say it with Jesus. He endures what? Till the end. What does that imply? It implies there are some Christians who are not going to endure till the end. Uh, our Calvinist friends don't like that, but Jesus wasn't a Calvinist. There should have been a much bigger amen than that. Uh, that's just not it. I mean, never does a human being lose their will at any step of the game. Uh, you turn your back on him, that's a stupid thing to do. But just like he honored Adam and Eve, and just like he honored Satan's decision, he'll honor yours. Bad thing for Satan and the angels that followed him. There was no redemption for them. Amen. Glory to God. Turn to somebody and say, I'm not looking to get out of this thing. <laughs> you know, he that endures to the end shall be, shall be saved. So it tells you that there is a war going on. Um, you know, there's, there's every influence trying to get you off the path and push you into the ditch and keep you from getting there. But uh, no weapon formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that rises up in judgment against you will be refuted, will be condemned. You know, you and I uh, have, uh, you know, not carnal weapons, we have mighty weapons. Glory to God. So last week I talked to you from verse 17 through 19. I'll, we will read those real quickly. But dear friends, remember what the apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you and who follow uh, mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. Um, there are four influences there that I just want to point out briefly to you. Meditate on these. One is those who scoff and make fun of the truth. Whether it's about the existence of a hell or Jesus coming, you know, where's the promise of his coming is the one the apostle refers to. Um, he's coming. Do you know that laughter can't stop it? Amen? Remember when the, when the Lord told Sarah she'd, she'd conceive? And what did she do? She laughed in unbelief. Did that laugh of unbelief stop God's agenda? No. So of all the mocking in the world is not going to work. In fact, the Bible says, God cannot be mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. So, you know, laughter is not going to stop it. But see, if you hang around mockers, or when they tell you they're believing God for such and such, whether it is a miracle or a provision or whatever, and you laugh or you mock, you're doing the wrong thing. And if you're hanging around mockers, I mean, if you told somebody tonight on the street somewhere that you actually pointed your finger and rebuked a tornado, they would want to call somebody and get a white coat, amen, and lock you up. It's mockery. And yet Jesus is the one that said, I give you what? The keys to the kingdom. I have given you binding and loosing power. Whatever you, what? Bind on the earth shall be bound in heaven. And that word literally means what you allow, what you permit. See, everybody's pointing their finger at God. But the Bible says, what you permit. I would really like to go off on Psalm 91 tonight and talk to you about the authority of the believer. Because that's we need a crash course on that. But people will mock at that. They'll mock at your faith. And they'll mock at the things that you believe. And that's okay. Just make sure you're not exposing yourself to that. Because you know what? If you expose yourself to that, uh, you know, as a mocker, 
uh, you'll follow their path if you listen to them. You'll be greatly diminished if you're listening to the mocker. Uh, the big thing today is to talk about universalism. The big thing today is to mock at the idea there's only one way to heaven. There's only one name given among men, right, under heaven by which we must be saved. And they say things like this, and it sounds good in the natural. Everybody said natural. But we're not supposed to be following natural instincts. And it goes something like this. A loving God would never send somebody to hell. So I can't believe that there is a hell. You know what the problem is? The problem is we're already on our way to hell. The problem is the boat is already sinking. And the SS Jesus pulls up beside the Titanic and you won't get on it. You don't get to blame God that you sank. So the, the failure here is to perceive the current condition of man, which is total depravity. Not believing in the fall of man makes it impossible to believe in the salvation of man. We are without any hope without God. We all are sinking into a devil's hell, and he's the one that reached out and did what? Provided a way of escape. So while you're shaking your finger saying a loving God would never send me to hell, God is saying, you're not really reading this right. You're going down. I'm the one who's intervening to try to save you. Here's the boat. Get on it. The same spirit in Noah's day. You talk about a man of faith and righteousness. How long did it take him to build this thing? Right? And could you imagine the comments he got? You know what I've learned about as a pastor after several years? People are people. And if people are snide, amen, disrespectful, discourteous, amen, cutting and biting, guess what? They were in his days. Have you seen that old man? Do you see what he's doing? What's that thing he's building? I don't know what that is. He keeps talking about a storm and rain coming. What's rain? And they mocked, and they mocked, and they mocked, and they mocked. Was the storm coming? Was the rain coming? Was the flood coming? Yeah, and he faithfully did this. And he did what he was supposed to do. He gathered up the animals. He gathered up his family. And there came a day when what? The door was shut. But how long did he preach? You know, I think about, uh, you know, the, the people of God with a sword in one hand, amen, and working on the wall with the other. I think about Noah with a hammer in his hand, amen, and his other hand lifted heaven preaching the word to people. And there came a day when what? The door was shut. I can't believe a loving God would drown all those people. Do you know that any of them could have believed the message and got on board? And did the flood come because of man's righteousness? Or was it because every inclination of his heart, the Bible says, was evil? Guess what? It's not Noah anymore. It's Jesus. It is not a wooden ark, it's a cross. And for 2,000 years, he's been preaching. So some, you know, millennial or younger, I don't care how you are, says, my loving God would never send me to hell. You did not accept the one on the cross. You didn't get in the boat. This is a huge mockery right now. And how do you deal with it? You don't subject yourself to that stuff. You just simply say, I'm going to stick to the truth. If Jesus said there's a hell, there's a hell. If God said there's one way, there's one way. 
If Jesus' name is the only way, then that's what I'm going to stick to. And I recommend highly you do too. Amen? When you're sinking and the boat comes by, what's the smart thing to do? Or sit on top of the Titanic going, a loving God would never sink the ship. What's the point? God didn't sink that ship. And God did not sink the earth ship either. Sin did. Jude is a tiny book, but it is in your face. Come on, say it. It's in my face. Number two is those who yield to various ungodly lusts. Telling you it's okay for you to expose yourself to these things. Language, behavior, substances. We have liberty in Christ. Well, you can go down that path if you want to, but you should not be looking for a way to gratify your flesh. You should be looking for a way to crucify your flesh every single day of your life. If you want to be on the right path here, if you don't want to fall, you play around with this stuff, it'll take you further than you ever intended to go. Well, I believe Christians can do this, 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 and this. And this is not a closed-line ministry. This is not about attacking things that people do or whatever. But the bottom line is I've noticed something about Christians that do these things, that subject themselves to you know, sub- different substances and, and behaviors because they have liberty. I watched this for years now, and do you know what? I have never seen somebody playing those games that has enough anointing to lift your little finger. Because you cannot go around yielding to various lusts and expect to have the power of God. And if you hook your wagon to that, I'm telling you what, this, this world right now, the church, capital C, is filled with all kinds of heresy. If you allow yourself to go down that path, you will be in a position of danger to falling yourself. Amen? Uh, I'll tell this story. Jesse, was, uh, Jesse Duplantis was asked to go to an Australian you know, TV, like a TVN program, a live broadcast, I've told you this story before, but apparently somebody here really needed to hear this. <laughs> and they were talking about how we all drink socially, and it's a wonderful thing, and we all have moderation. And, and so they made the mistake of asking Brother Jesse what he thought about it. And uh, one thing you know about him, don't ask him his opinion if you don't want to hear what he has to say. And so his question is an honest one. I mean, you don't know you're drunk until you're drunk. So we don't, we don't drink until we get drunk. Well, okay, well, how do you know you get drunk until you get drunk? And so he, he looked around the room. There were three handsome men there and preachers, and they were all married to you know, three beautiful women. And he looked at the moderator, and he basically said, uh, your wife is very beautiful. Well, thank you, thank you for that, 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 that compliment. He goes, what if we went behind the curtain during the break and we started smooching? Would that be okay with you? And he said this on national television in, in Australia, We're not going to go all the way. We're just going to play around a little bit. All three of those men said, we're no longer drinking ever again. (laughs) They got the point. Uh, In other words, you should be putting up safeguards in your life, not making excuses for your behavior. Now, I can tell you this. Until the Spirit of God talks to you about a behavior or conduct, you won't have the force to put it aside. You need to have conviction from him based on his word. Say, so, you know, I'm not living that way. But don't go looking at other Christians about what they're permitting and then make up your mind that that's the way you're going to live. You're going to fall. You should be looking for ways to what? Crucify your flesh, not what? Not empower it, for it's, it's lust. Compromises of God's holy standard will lead you to a fall. Amen? Iron sharpeneth iron. 
Amen. See, what happens when people hear you talk about, you know, people that, that imbibe not being anointed and setting themselves up for a fall? Well, sometimes they just leave. I never ask them to leave. But they, in their minds, I'm going to go to a drinking church. Now, what you want to do is go to a compromising church. You know, this is awful quiet for a Holy Ghost Pentecostal church right now. I've never met one person in my entire ministry who drank and was also anointed. I'm not saying they went around drunk or were drunkards. I'm telling you that there is something spiritually that happens when you give yourself license to your flesh on any level. And some people might be alcohol. Other people might be their tongue. Amen. Other people, their attitude, whatever. It comes in a lot of different varieties, but whatever it is, it's not setting you up to stand. It's setting you up to fall. And what I'm telling you is in 2021-22, uh, you don't want to give the devil anything to use against you. Come on, say it with me, nothing. Number three, those who cause divisions among Christians. You stay away from people like that. Paul said that in Romans 16, 17, stay away from people who, who divide the body. Um, they do this, they criticize, they cut, they malign. And sometimes they do it to public figures, and 99% of the time, they're wrong. Um, the things they say about people that you might respect in the Lord. Uh, I got a call last night from the director of uh, KCM's response team. Uh, the fact they're on the ground today throughout the state of Kentucky measuring what's going on. These people are the real deal. Oftentimes, the first planes and semis to show up to any disaster scene are people like Precious Faith. And you'll have people malign them on YouTube and malign them on Inside Edition and malign them on this and that. And they don't have a clue what they're talking about. I can tell you this, that you don't want to join in. You don't want to be a part of that. If you're, if you're hearing somebody that's divisive and critical, whatever, just say, you know, I love you, but I'm not going to be a part of that. And if you keep that up, I can't have fellowship with you. Because I'm not going to fall because of your mouth. I'm not going to fall because of your attitude. Keep your mouth off the men and women of God. You don't have to agree with everything they do or say to respect the fact that they're not your servant. You're not their judge. Amen. And if you're teachable, you can receive something. If there's a bone in there, then spit it out and move on. Amen. But don't do that. I've never seen people that were like that, you know, excel and and. I tell you, you do it long enough and you find yourself falling on the ground because you just couldn't keep your big blab mouth shut. Sowers of strife and discord and offense will lead you to the fall yourself. Amen. That's why the dumbest thing you can do is let somebody talk you into their offense. Yeah. <laughs> oh, seriously, you know, you get offended at somebody and you know, do you know what they did to me? And next thing you know, that person had, had positive feelings for the other person you're talking about. They had esteem for that person. The only reason they now look cross-sighted at that person is because of what you said. You diminished that person, right, in that other person's eyes by what you said. Now you're going to take that other person down with you. How horrible it is for you to get offended and then spread your offense like a disease. And the Bible talks about a bitter root does what? It actually springs up and what? Defiles men. Look at somebody say, not me. Come on, seriously, we don't have time for this. We don't have time for another lap around the mountain, another night with the frogs, you know, give up six months, two, you know, a year, two years playing games, you know, being wounded, being hurt, being offended. You know, a lot of people never make it back. 
I've watched how people have unplugged from their ministry, whether it's this one or somewhere else around the country. A lot of people in the ministry that are friends of mine. And I'll tell you something they all have in common. When you get offended, and that's the basis of your decision, you look at those people 5, 10, 20 years down the road, and they have not grown one iota. They're not doing ministry. They're absolutely destroyed. And oftentimes I'll get reports back. Some of them aren't even serving God at all. They're stuck. Now, that's them. Don't you share in somebody else's offense and not heed what Jude is saying. Jude is trying to keep us from falling. Come on, say Jude wants us to stand. So, you know, those who cause division, stay away. Souls of strife, discord, and offense will lead you to a fall if you allow yourself to be influenced by them. And then number four, those who follow the flesh instead of the spirit. They're self-directed. They're carnal-directed. They get the itch and they move here. They get an idea and they go over there. They're constantly bored. The grass is always greener on the other side. How many of you have lived long enough you know the grass is not greener on the other side? And sometimes the grass that is greener on the other side is greener because it's over a septic tank. And you think it's a wonderful place to go. And sometimes it's green and soggy. You know what that means? Uh -huh. It's soggy and green, but there's also something else going on in that ground. And there you are wallowing and thinking, this is wonderful. Now, you, you bloom where God put you, amen, where you were planted. And you make sure you're led of the Holy Ghost, especially at a time like this. Listen, this, this F4, F5, it depends on who you ask how big it was. I believe it was an F5, but I just share the damage and... Uh, but and that's I think that's the consensus. But th this thing had eyes. Listen to what the Spirit of God is saying. This thing had consciousness. This thing had a a demon riding it like a horse. Are you catching what I'm saying? You don't have time to play around with this nonsense. This is a real war going on. It was the destroyer. Yes. And it's only the mercy of God and the people of God that kept it from being what it could have been. Yes. Amen. Yes. Maintain your diligence in the situation. And, you know, uh, don't mock the truth. Don't hang around people that do. Don't yield to ungodly lust and don't uh, be buddy-buddy with people that do because they'll pull you down. Don't be a person that causes division among other believers. And don't follow that flesh. Don't follow that itch. Flesh-directed people will lead you to fall as you learn their ways. What happens when you hang around people? You learn their ways. Amen? Some of you all hung around here and learned the ways of taking your authority. I saw it in the spirit the night. Uh, I saw in my spirit dozens and dozens of you outside, on porches and driveways, in yards, like a bunch of idiots, <laughs> rebuking that thing. Amen. Now, where did you get that idea? Because of the people you hang around. Now, watch this. It's a whole other crowd in the body of Christ that hang around people that believe the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away which is a misinterpretation of what happened in Job, not a correct interpretation of what happened, because God is not the taker away. He's not the one that did the damage. Amen. But there's a whole group of people that believe that whatever happened, God's will was that that happened. It was God's will for this storm to hit. 
Where did they learn that? I'm telling you, it matters what you submit yourself to. It matters what you listen to. It matters who you hang around. Because you will learn their ways. Evil ways, religious ways, or you'll learn who you are. Amen. How many of you say today, you're the righteousness of God in Christ? Do you know that Brother, Brother Copeland actually wrote a song about being the righteousness of God in Christ, and Christian radio stations in the 60s and 70s wouldn't play it? You want to know why? How dare you call yourself righteous? Where did they get the idea that we were just weak worms of the dust, black-hearted sinners, and irredeemable? They hung around people that taught it. But how many of you glad you got the revelation? He took my sin. Come on, say, he took my sin. And he gave me his righteousness. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. That's what you can bless the Lord for. Well, who did I hang around? I started hanging around John Osteen. I started hanging around his tapes and hanging around his sons and daughters meetings and hanging around his publications. And I found out that this Baptist who got baptized in the Holy Ghost and then literally led tens of thousands of people on his, in his lifetime to the baptism of the Holy Ghost that he began to understand righteousness, the gift of what? The gift of righteousness. Where did you get that idea from? You hanging around what? You hanging around people and you're learning their ways. And some ways are the wrong ways and some ways are what? The right ways. And Jude is telling you that these are at least four wrong ways. Amen? There's a way that seems right to a man. And where does it end up? <laughs> it ends up in death. Amen. How many believe in the power of God? How many believe in miracles? How many believe that God is a provider? How many believe that you can cast out devils? How many believe he's called you to be the miracle capital of the world? Where did you get that idea? You're learning somebody's what? Ways. Now, ultimately, we're supposed to be learning the ways of God. You want to walk blessed in this life? Learn and do the ways of God. But not every Christian is doing the ways of God. That's why you have to be careful. Amen. So let's spend a little time tonight talking about how to fall proof your life. Jude not only tells you why people fall, he tells you uh, the kinds of influences that will lead you to a fall. How many thank God he put some resolution in here? <laughs> Wouldn't it be terrible if he told you why people fall and the influences and then quit the, quit the letter? He just said, I love you, but you're on your own. <laughs> no, we're not on our own. Turn to somebody and tell them, we are not on our own. He tells us what to do. Read the scripture with me in uh, verse 20. But you, dear friends, in other words, you're not going to be one of those that fall. Come on, say it. I'm not one of them. You, dear friends... Build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in what? Pray in what? Pray in the Holy Ghost. How to fall-proof your life? Number one, pray in the Spirit. That already separates you from some because you've learned this way by being around spirit-filled Christians. If you hang around people that are not, or if you take your kids and plant them in a church that does not teach this doctrine or this practice, guess what? They're not going to learn these ways. And the very thing that Jude is saying in these last days, how to, how to protect you and your children, is make sure that you're praying in the Spirit. Now, the gift, according to, to uh, Peter in Acts, is for everyone. 
and our children and what? Their children and their children to as many as the Lord our God shall what? Call it. Whoever is saved can actually receive this. We understand this. But understanding this just mentally is not enough. We have to get this by revelation and practice it because we understand the force of praying in the Spirit. How many of y'all really want to stand and not fall? Your, your praying in the Spirit life, for lack of a better word, is directly related to you standing in these last days. And a person who's been baptized in the Holy Spirit but never uses their prayer language, they're in just as much danger as a person who hasn't received it at all. Because the force is not in a little badge of habit. The force is in using what you have. Um, in general, strength, discernment, and listen to this, spiritual situational awareness. I promise you that the average evangelical Christian interpreted last week's events differently from you who talk in tongues. I promise you that. And yes. yes. today, the same thing. The interpretation is different. Why? Because when you walk in the things of the Spirit, your, your insight's going to be different than that. Uh, less religious, of course, more word-based, but there's a lot more than even that. There's a more than, than tradition, more than religion that goes into this. There's a blindness that goes into this. You and I, uh, when you receive the Holy Ghost and you begin to pray in the Spirit, there, there are scales that fall from your eyes. Listen to what the Holy Ghost is saying. There are things that fall away from your ears. There's a veil that falls away from your mind. Amen. How am I going to keep it that way? So uh, this is what I want to give you today, just several things that, to, that will help you here. Number one, it helped uh, build, uh, build up, which means your inner spirit. Nothing will build you up spiritually and personally like praying in the Holy Ghost. Uh, at a time like this, guess what? You need to be built up more than ever. Nobody can do this for you. Jude is just flashing a big arrow sign. This is up to you. You must pray in the Spirit. Nobody can do it for you. Can we intercede from one another? Yes, but that's not the same thing. He said to what? As for you, you build yourselves up. Everybody wants the pastor to do it or the deacon to do it, the Sunday school teacher to do it, Wilma to do it, Jimmy to do it, whoever. But you and I are called to do it. This is how you stay built up. Number two, praying in the Spirit will help you get up. When you're down, when you're defeated, when you're discouraged, when you feel like you're going the wrong direction, pray in the Holy Ghost. It will get you up faster than anything. And you get to the point where the devil's messing with you, just start telling him, devil, tomorrow I'm going to pray an hour in tongues in your honor. Keep messing with me, and then Tuesday I'm going to pray in tongues an hour and a half in your honor. Keep coming after me, the next day I'm going to pray in tongues for two hours. Do you know how fast he will flee from you? Matthew 4, how you fled from Jesus fast. That's how fast. He cannot afford to be the inspiration for your tongue talking. He can't. Amen. And if you hung around the wrong people all your life, see, on this particular belief, you learn their ways, you somehow believe it's not of God or it's passed away, that's a great trick for the devil to keep a lot of people in bondage. It's, it's passed away. That works for him. You know, there are people that even confess Christ that don't even believe in the devil. The devil loves that one. He can go total stealth mode never get blamed for anything. Where do people learn that? 
by who they hunt around. Amen. Glory to God. It'll help you get up. Raise your hand if you've ever needed to get up. You plainly weren't doing well. I'm just telling you this from a personal standpoint, in a ministry standpoint, a pastoral standpoint, nothing will get you back up faster from a place of discouragement and despair and difficulty like praying in the Holy Ghost. There is no drug that will do it. There is no counseling that will do it for you faster. That's why you need to be doing this all the time. And I'll tell you this, you'd be amazed how many people have come off of drugs and out of the counseling room because they finally found the power of God in their lives flowing through this. And that's not to say these things aren't real and people don't deal with things that are clinical. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just simply telling you that it is here to help you get up when you are down or defeated. Amen. And you have things the Old Testament saints didn't have. Amen. Joshua was down at the loss and grieving over the loss of Moses. I mean, God personally appeared to him. There was no prayer language there for him. Amen. Do you realize, you say, well, I would wish God would come to me. Do you realize that if you're talking in tongues, the Spirit of God is praying through you, you don't have to have God appear to you like Joshua. God is in you. These saints of old didn't have that. If you're going to talk about Emmanuel and celebrate Christmas and get a revelation, it's God what? In you now. And the more you pray in the Holy Ghost, you know what happens? The more conscious you become of his presence. The more conscious you become of God in me consciousness. He's not out there somewhere. Where is he? Spirit-filled Christians doesn't speak in tongues for months. Guess what happens to your consciousness? It just diminishes. At a time where we don't need to have a diminished perception of God's consciousness. Amen. Number three, to help you listen up. Nothing will open up your spiritual ears and tune your ears to hearing at a whole new level like speaking in tongues. How many want more revelation? How many want to hear God clearly during these times? Amen. Uh, I think that uh, the uh, Paducah radar went down something like 1030 the other night. We couldn't get any data at all. I think there was one at Fort Campbell somewhere else we got data from. But how do you understand when, when, a, when a tornado is bearing down, uh, coming up towards West Paris, you kind of want to know what's going on. You kind of want to be able to be tuned in, right? What's interesting about the, the tornado that came to the south of us, it got to the Calgary County line and then hit due east. Um, it's almost as if, uh, you know, an angel said, sorry, we're closed for business. Because it was, these things don't do that. The big one, trajectory northeast all the way through, this one doing the same thing, and you can see it go, it was about to go west of Paris. In fact, there was a warning there. There was a warning for Henry County. Then the next warning didn't come to Callaway County. And the next warning came to Stewart County to the east in Tennessee. And we never even got a warning on, on that tour because it did not cross Callaway County's line. Somebody was down there in Hazel. <laughs> Some crazy person who knew who they were in Christ and said, you know, enough of this. You know, that's a good thing sometimes is to get fed up. So you stop putting up with stuff. Amen. Uh, when you pray in the Holy Ghost, it, it opens up your spiritual ear like nothing I've ever known before. That's why in the Word, during church services, in your conversations, you start hearing things nobody else is hearing. And it's not that you're all that special. It's just that you're doing something that actually fine-tunes your, your hearing. You know, number four? It'll help you wise up, and we all need that. 
When you pray in the Holy Ghost, we're given insight and knowledge and direction. Important for these times. Everybody say, wise up. Yes, if we ask for wisdom, the Bible says that God will give it to us. The Bible's plain that the wisdom is, is, of course, available through the Word of God. But do you know that wisdom is available by praying in the Holy Ghost? Things will come to you. Solutions can come to you. You ever need something fixed desperately? You don't know what to do about it? And you even say that, I don't know what I'm going to do. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Guess who does know? The Holy Ghost knows what? Exactly. And as you're praying mysteries, as the Bible says in the Holy Ghost, all that has to happen is for that wisdom to go from here to here. How long is that? Not very far. But you've got to be using that prayer language. So whatever it is, it could be a spiritual issue, a revelation issue. It could be fixing something in the house. It could be about a child that you're raising. It could be a marriage or, or business, whatever it is. There is no limit to the knowledge of God. God, Your God really is a know-it-all. There are a lot of people on Facebook that act like they're know-it-alls, but they're posers. God actually is a know-it-all. And so how can you tap into that vast knowledge? Boy, I'm telling you, this time we're going to pray in the Spirit like you never have before. I can't do it for you either. Jude couldn't do it for you. I can't do it for you. Nobody can. You know, your husband and wife can't do it for you. Kids can't do it for you. Amen. Number five will help you line up. Line up with what? The Word. Everything you pray in the Holy Ghost lines up with the Word. Everything you pray in the Holy Ghost comes to pass. Everybody say, line up with the Word. How many want to line up with the Word every day of your life? Pray in the Spirit every day. And you'll find yourself, not mysteriously, it's not a mystery in terms of what happens. God will intentionally cause you to line up and walk circumspectly with the Word of God. Um, the power in this gift is enormous. It's almost impossible to exhaust the knowledge about it. And yet most people that have it, it's like a badge of experience. I, I uttered a few syllables in tongues when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, and that's the end of the revelation. No, that's the beginning. Next, it'll help you speak up. Boldness will come on you, a holy boldness. When I typed this, I wrote holy boldness. And I thought, that's not what it is. That's not holy boldness. Boldness wouldn't be holy, amen. I guess, unless you're Elisha, amen. <laughs> and that's what the anointing must be, glory to God. The double portion right there, hallelujah. Amen. If you and Rodney agree in prayer, it'll be a quadruple anointing, glory to God. The power will surely fall. Everybody say, holy boldness. It's just the bottom line. The people that pray in the Spirit are bolder than Christians who don't. And if somebody is fairly bold, guess what they'll be if they will get this going? Amen. Most of you could probably imagine that my sister was bold before she got saved. Before she got baptized in the Holy Ghost. But I can tell you, if it were possible, <laughs> it went to an entirely new level. You see what I'm saying to you? So your personality might be a little bit shy. Um, when I was in ninth grade in high school, we were supposed to give a speech. Everybody say a speech. And we were supposed to give a demonstration speech. And so I thought, okay, well, I'll do, I'll demonstrate how to make a little, you know, stamp, like a letter stamp out of a half of a potato. I'm telling you, I almost died. Just thought I was going to die right there on the spot. And I thought that a couple of years later, he baptized me in the Holy Ghost and called me into ministry. I'm not making stamps anymore. Amen. 
And, you know, when you're called to do something, you're anointed to do something, you know, you do it. But I'm just telling you, what made the difference was being baptized in the Holy Ghost. It'll make you bold. It'll make you, you know, speak up and everybody else clams up. Well, I don't want to offend anybody. Now then, that's not the Holy Ghost, because guess what? All Paul did was offend people. Everywhere he went, there was repentance, a revival, or there was a riot. What about us? Amen. Wherever we go, there's not even a ripple. Yeah, moving right along. Next, it'll help you clean up. Tongues will actually clean up, help clean up your life. The Holy Ghost is a sanctifying force. And by praying in the Spirit, your speech, your motives, your life, your lifestyle, is anybody here in need of being cleaned up a little bit more? Could anybody here use a little more holiness in their life? We're righteous, don't confuse the two, but because we're righteous now, we what? Want to live separated lives. Our minds, our bodies, our motives, what will happen is you'll begin to, to clean up. You say, well, Pastor, how does that practically work? I'm glad you asked. Jimmy decides he's going to pray in the Holy Ghost like never before, and I got a feeling he already does. Well, let's just say he's minding his own business, and for a solid week, he's praying in the Holy Ghost more than he ever has. And all of a sudden, he starts having things from the Spirit drop into his spirit about what he's doing wrong. Where did that come from? This needs to be sanctified in your life. Has this ever happened to you out there where you're just minding your own business, and he says, this is not permittable in your life? that make sense? And it's not that somebody, you know, I, I never um, got baptized as a, as a believer um, until after I was baptized in the Holy Ghost. Uh, I was sprinkled as an infant. Everybody sprinkled. I don't remember it, but they tell me it's going to happen. <laughs> and then at 18, got born again. Uh, about, about 20, I actually got baptized, I got baptized in water after I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And when I got baptized in the Spirit at 18 years old, but what was it that led me to eventually do that? Now, I'm excited about what's behind curtain number one. Yeah. <laughs> um, because that matters. I mean, we identify with, with the life of Christ. His, his life, his death, his burial, and resurrection, and our commitment to, to live unto him when we come up out of that thing. That is going to be one busy baptistry. Glory to God. Um, just <laughs> seeing so clearly. I was baptized in Kentucky Lake April 22nd, 1984, uh, two full years after I was actually born again. And I'll tell you what it was. I prayed in the Holy Ghost all the time. And you know what the Spirit of God began to say? You need to get, you need to follow the Lord in, in baptism. It got so bad that on that Easter Sunday is what it was. Um, I just, I pulled Mark and Randall and I said, you know, I just, I really need to take care of this. And so, friend of mine came, another Christian, to witness this thing, and that water, the temperature at the time, I think it was like 50 degrees, maybe 48 degrees, and I'm just a swimmer. I'm used to some cold water, <laughs> but uh, I, was, I just have to do this, and, and everybody say, say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Now, some of you may say, well, I'm not going to pray in the Holy Ghost if you're going to tell me everything I'm doing wrong. No, you'll be glad that you can hear him correct you. Correction is good. Come on, say, correction is good. That's what's wrong with the modern body of Christ. No one's being corrected anymore because no one's listening anymore. Amen. And so down I go. And I mean, I shot up faster than a rocket. It is the fastest baptism in the history of baptisms. 
but I was, I was fully wet. And I'm telling you that when I came up out of that water, I had the greatest sense of peace I'd ever known in my entire life. Why? Because in praying in the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God led me to something that needed to be dealt with. And I'm not preaching to anybody. I'm telling you what he spoke to me. People will have various conviction on this. And the reason I responded to it was not because somebody was, you know, egging me on or rebuking me every day. But in praying in the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, if you pray in the Holy Ghost, how many understand he's going to talk back? Say it, but he's going to talk back to you. And so what do you do? You listen to him and the peace comes. So it's not a bad thing if correction comes. Everybody say, clean up. Come on, say, clean up your life. Your speech, your motives. You know, only the Lord knows your motives. You can, you can look completely altruistic on the outside. And everything you do have an agenda attached to it. You can look holy and spiritual. And, yeah. But you have an agenda you want to see accomplished. Who's, who's going to correct you about that? Who can possibly correct you about the invisible? The pastor? No. Only the Holy Ghost can correct you about the invisible. Everybody say clean up. Here's one for somebody tonight. It'll help you shut up. Yeah, it's hard to gossip when you're speaking in tongues. It's hard to speak in doubt and fear and unbelief when you're speaking in tongues. It's hard to tell stories. It's hard to bellyache and complain. When what? Amen. Practice this. The next time your mouth goes the wrong way, just burst into tongues, and guess what will happen? It will shut you up. Amen. And that's a good thing. Amen. Keep you from making more damage with your mouth. Dig in that hole a little bit deeper. Shut up when you should be, amen, silent instead of talking. There's this, there's this kid in, in the area, and every time Timothy posts anything on Facebook, this kid has to argue with it. Make an effort what it is. If Timothy said up, he would say down. If he said right, he would say left. I mean, every little thing. And I, and I really want to be pastoral with him, but I'm not his pastor. But I am tempted to put a scripture on there. Amen? Even a fool will start wise, is thought wise if he what? If he keeps his mouth shut. Well, the Holy Ghost will help you do what? Come on. With an honest hand, how many say you have said something that you wanted to pull it back almost immediately as soon as it came out of your mouth? But guess what? You couldn't. Amen? So when you feel something bubbling up, just walk away and pray in the Holy Ghost. And then you won't have to be concerned about the damage you cause. Won't have to apologize. Amen? Won't have to rebuild trust, you know, blah, blah, blah. Have you ever been talking about somebody and that person showed up or walked by? Not that you're going to admit tonight. Couldn't pull it back. Amen. Glory to God. Anybody here a Christian cusser? You're definitely not going to admit tonight. <laughs> you know, it'll keep you from what? From a cussing. Just, just start speaking in tongues. Hallelujah. Turn that tongue over to him. And then last tonight, it'll help you look up. Keep your focus on the eternal things. Keep your focus on the expectation of his return. He's coming back. Let the mockers mock. He's coming back. Say it with me. He's coming back. It's going to be soon. 
Glory to God. It could be morning, night, or what? Noon. He's coming back. Yeah, everybody has been saying that for 2,000 years. Exactly. You are not supposed to occupy the office of the mocker. You're the believer. Amen? So that's principle one. We'll talk about the other two next time. But you want to prevent falling in your life? Everybody say, I do. Pray in the Holy Ghost like you never have before. If you're saved but not baptized in the Holy Ghost, go home tonight. You go along with him in your prayer closet and just lift your hands to heaven and say, Lord, baptize me in the Holy Ghost. If you don't understand that concept or tongues, take one of those booklets out there on the table and ask him to do what, you, what he has done in all of our lives. And he will, he will give you that gift. And it will absolutely transform your life. Um, if you get stuck, then just ask uh, any of these people in the, in the house of God that you know that are on fire for God and they'll lay hands on you minister to you. But uh, I'm just telling you that, uh, you know, if you want to, to prevent falling, this is coming from the teaching by the Spirit of God through Jude. This is in here for a reason. What does it do? It builds you up and it helps you in so many ways. Come on, say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Say, I'm not ashamed of the Holy Ghost. Say, I am not ashamed of the Holy Ghost. Thank God. Amen. So, so what you're telling me tonight, Pastor, is if I'll pray in the Holy Spirit more, it'll help prevent me from falling. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Amen. Yes. Say it with me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Aren't you glad for restoration? Yes. All right. The grace of God will bring us into a place of repentance and forgiveness, and the grace of God will cause us to stand. There's a truth of the matter here. Everybody at one time or another is what? Been cold and different to the things of God, and have me glad he had grace and mercy on your life. Amen. So with the craziness that's going on, amen, use the gift of God. Let's give him a hand clap and just receive it from him tonight. Praise you, Father.